Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to that Trippy Show. We have a ton to talk about this week. Joe Manchin's nuclear option, the latest on the race in Virginia, and of course, another salvo in the McConnell-Trump civil war. Gosh, you just hate to see that. You do. Alex, where do you want to go first? I don't think we can start the show without talking about probably the biggest news of the week. Uh, Joe Manchin's quote-unquote secret plan to leave the Democratic Party, if you didn't think this was going to happen, you haven't been paying attention for like 10 years, but came out this week during all the impasse on the BBB negotiations. No shock here, really. But Joe, this isn't really the first time something like this has happened, right? No, not at all. In fact, a lot of people who are hearing about this for the first time ought to go uh, check out the history of the late Jim Jeffords, uh, who switched parties in the Senate in 2001. The Senate back then, a very, in a lot of ways, very similar uh, situation. It was the Bush tax cuts that were in play at the time in 2001. Um, and Jeffords thought uh, they were too deep and also wanted more funding for special education funding. He, he wanted more, more funding for that and, and a less deep uh, Bush tax cuts. And the, uh, the, the, Party, the Republican uh, Party kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, and while they were pushing Harry Reid, uh, who had targeted three senators to work on in quiet talks, uh, Jeffords, Chafee, and uh, none other than John McCain, he worked on all three of them quietly and ended up handing Jeffords the chair of the Public Works Committee and, um, and gained Democratic control. You know, in a, in a shocking moment uh, that happened again, like I said, in 2001. So when you look at uh, what Manchin's talking about now or what he's and he's the only one, I think, where this could be a risk. I mean, cinema is in Arizona. It's trending blue. It's only going to get bluer over time. Yep. So I don't think they may be working. You know, who knows what whether McConnell's been talking uh, and trying to do the same thing that Harry Reid did. But I doubt uh, cinema in Arizona would be uh, would, would be actually uh, susceptible to that. On the other hand, Manchin in, in West Virginia, Ruby Red, you know, if not the reddest state in, in the Union close to it. Uh, you know, it, it, the one thing that uh, I think progressives, this could just be, hey, you progressives, you don't have the votes and let me, Joe Manchin make clear to you um, if you weren't if, since you can't add, you know in his view if you can't add maybe this will make it clear how dangerous uh, the situation is if you guys want to go where I don't want to and and so it could just be a, a way a, another way to put some shock into the system and create the leverage that he wants to have. To take this more towards the 1.75 trillion that uh, that looks like he may find acceptable instead of the 3.5 trillion that uh, a lot of progressives believe was already a big compromise. You know, is this? And I think it's just because it's just in the news every day. But is this level of kind of public infighting on a bill like this normal? Oh yeah. I mean, look, we saw this in on Obamacare. Any big the Bush tax cuts. Uh, 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 that, that Jeffords walked away from was all internal 
within uh, for the most part within the party. Uh, you know, it, so on a big on big bills like this, there's going to be a lot of pressure and debate. The difference this time, I think, it, although which makes it closer to 2001 and not Obamacare, is we don't we don't have big majorities. You know, that would make it a little bit. I mean, the, these majorities are very, very fragile, as they were, as the Senate majority was in 2001. And so I think they're more fraught with danger. Look, you know, uh, Manchin has said, uh, he sort of denied this, although I trust the reporting on it. Uh, I know the I know David Korn and, and you know, I, I, I trust his report. He's not the kind of person who wouldn't do this with 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 real sources. But Manchin is denying it. And so, you know, was this a, a purposeful leak? To get, like I said, to put more more pressure and get some progressives to realize, hey, we can't push much further. We just don't have the votes. Or is this a real, you know, a for real uh, moment here where uh, we could lose the majority in the Senate a lot faster than we thought? I have a hard time believing Manchin will do that, but but I do think again, um, knowing what happened with Jim Jeffords who really uh, showed a lot of courage when he switched parties in 2001. And again, you know, the other thing, though, with him was he was more like uh, the reverse of sentiment. He's a, he was a U.S. senator from Vermont, knowing that he could switch parties and, and you know, if he wanted, Democrats would embrace him there. Uh, again, that's the same. Uh, you know, it, it, Manchin can do that and switch parties, but he'd be joining an auto, uh, you know, authoritarian movement that's changing. You know, that's trying to end the democracy right now. That's I think I find that a little hard to believe that he would actually go ahead and do that. But at this stage, I you know, hold your bets. That's a point that I don't think a lot of people are making right now. You hear about how. Uh, he's switching parties and essentially a survival mechanism because, you know, running as a Democrat in West Virginia is almost poisonous. But that kind of the implications of what he's doing and who he's giving this power to are very different than what Jim Jeffords did. Well, I mean, the one thing it's clear and, you know, other Democratic senators have already pointed this out uh, just because he, you know, he has said that he would, uh, you know, be declare himself an independent. And there's nothing under that scenario that he's, he's actually says he declared himself an American independent. But uh, at least that was what the reporting was. That doesn't preclude him from continuing to caucus with the Democrats. Right. And so it's, we, we already have one of those, interestingly enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, from Vermont, I think. Uh, Ang- Angus King from Maine. Yeah. Yeah. And Angus King, too. Yeah. So I'm just saying that. Uh, so this could be a, hey, I'm leaving the party over this and you're not going to have my vote, which would take it all all down. And But I'm going to remain, I'm going to declare myself an American independent and I'll caucus with you and vote with you where I can, where I can but I can't do this. I mean, that that would be the, the only real way he could do it. I don't see him actually switching parties, but would he actually take down the, the Biden agenda? Um We'll see. I, I I do think this is a pretty powerful bluff, though. I mean, it it it, it really um, does uh, cold pour some cold water on the fire that may be waging raging with progressives that are really angry with him. Well, it, it's clear getting angrier with him and pushing him harder 
is probably not the most effective way to deal with the situation. In my view, and I, by the way, I've been a progressive who's been railed against a, a moderate party in the past. And what I learned from that, I mean, some 34 years ago, and what I learned from that experience was uh, you only help the other side. You yep. end up helping the other side when when, when uh, you push the moderates away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like what Simon said last week, It, it, it kind of carrying that forward. It, it's pretty hard to blame the voters from flipping the House back and, and even the Senate back if the Democrats don't do shit in two years, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's one. But the other thing is, you know, Joe Biden's been saying repeatedly, hey, uh, guys, folks, America, we got to prove to the rest of the world that democracy can work. They, uh, they think that the, the authoritarians can move faster than, than democracy, that democracy moves so too slow. Uh, and here we are five months into this uh, inter-party debate proving they're right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we need to make as a party, we need to make democracy work. Uh, we have to get these things done. We have to find compromise. Normally, that would happen between two parties. But you've got already got one party uh, that's lost its mind. We can't lose ours. We got to get to go here and um, and, you know, and stop pointing fingers, but come to. Uh, reality. Hopefully that'll happen this week. Well, it, it kind of seems like, and I think you kind of just got to this, but it almost seems like Biden had too much confidence in like a functioning government or a functioning Senate when he put out these huge bills. Like, does he have too much faith in these institutions still? Yeah. Well, I think most Americans still do. I think the press still does. I think the I think corporate America still does. Right. And that's why they corporate America continues to give to both sides. Even some of the 147 that voted against uh, certifying the election, uh, even after they said they wouldn't, because they thought, well, we can go back now to to giving money to both sides. Um, the press it, you know, covers the food fight over uh, uh, over the price tag without really uh, getting into the debate too much on the merits. Uh, while, by the way, not ever saying this was only happening because the Republicans are sitting on their hands, being authoritarian and making sure that, that, that right. the government implodes. You know, so I think and I think all that's because, yeah, people still think, hey, you know, I, I was one of them for a long time. Hey, let's be civil. Let's try to reach across the aisle. Let's, uh, you know, uh, let's uh, let, let's try to work with these people. Well, you can't. And one. And two, I think it's Biden being a, you know, look, he's a, you know, he, he comes from the Senate. That's that's his world and thinks, you know, and by the way, Manchin, I still think, thinks, thought he could get 10 votes uh, for for, um, you know, a pared down Voting Rights Act. Wrong. Um, and, and so I just think that, yeah, that's the whole one of the reasons, you know, you, you and I, uh, you know, joined the Lincoln Project was right. like, wake up. It's it's not we're we're not in that world. We got to I'm a Democrat. I joined with Lincoln Project, a bunch of former Republicans. We got to come together and fight this stuff. And I think a lot of those like, you know, but, I, we, you know, early on in the podcast, I talked, you know, early episodes, I talked about how this was going to be a big problem because Biden has to govern. During this mess, Joe Manchin and all our Senate, you know, they have to come, you know, and I said, we're going to have to come together and compromise within ourselves. We are we have to be the adult party because the other one's gone. But that's going to be tough when 
you know, you've got two things. You've got you've got to both govern and at the same time try because so many Americans are still still believe in the two party system and right. that there are two parties that you can bring them together. You still have to try to reach out to the other sides. So I think that's been the whole Biden high wire act that he's been walking this entire time trying to be the guy reaching out. But at the same time, having to govern and find, you know, and hope that his own party can coalesce around something that can get done. So I think, you know, that's the the what why it seems, you know, I think one part of that's why Biden's numbers are going down, because both of those are kind of impossible tasks in a lot of ways. If if Democrats in office do not understand what the stakes really are, our democracy and think it's fighting over this program or how big a program is uh, within the party. That's a, a big problem that has to get fixed. And at the same time, you have the Republicans on the march, voter suppression laws and all the things that are creating, you know, you know the Democratic and pro-democracy folks saying, what the hell, when are you guys going to take this on and, and, and pass a Voting Rights Act? So he's got both those things and he's got an intractable Republican Party and a Democratic Party that needs to come together and come together soon. So, you know, to that point, uh, you know, we got a lot of questions in this past week and I think we can call our friend of the pod now. Our friend Amy Chapman had a really yeah, good she point. Is. Yeah, uh, she had a really good point this past week on, on this whole Build Back Better thing. And she said it, it feels like the GOP and Mansion Cinema are, are doing to the infrastructure bill what they did to Obamacare, uh, picking away at it and then not supporting it regardless of how it ends up. And she says, I'm very concerned about a 2010 repeat in 2022 if that happens. Yeah, well, she's she's right. And again, we we have we have uh, had a much, I mean, an incredibly large majority uh, going into 20, 2010 uh, when we lost everything than we have in 2022. So just on the historical uh, equation, there are, everybody you know knows that it's going to be tough to to keep the majorities that we have in the Senate and the House. But now, but but again, the more this drags out, the more. Uh, the Republicans hick away at it. And, and I don't put Manchin and, and Cinema yet in that category. I, I think yeah. if they, if, you know, if they agree, if all Democrats come together and, and we have 50 votes in the Senate on a $1.75 trillion plan, I think that plan is going to have plenty of things on it in it that are going to impact people, change their lives, make it better, and would give us a, a chance to make those arguments going into 2022. And I wouldn't count them in. If they don't, if they, if it follows her logic that picking away at it and then not supporting it, regardless of everything that's in it, and Mansion and Cinema are, are part of that vote, yeah, then, then one... Uh, she's absolutely right. 2022, that's what's going to happen. We'll, right. we're, we're, we're going to, and they, I would throw them in that briar patch. But right now, I think that's why we're we're sitting here today talking about this. Will will they come? Can the Democrats come together and and pass anything? And again, back with Obamacare, you could lose votes. You, we had such big major, majorities that you could lose vote, you know, a few votes and it didn't matter. It was still going to pass. And it did right. after all the arguing and everything. Yeah. Well, it, it, if if people could see the look on my face right now, it's because I just Googled how many seats we lost in, in 2010. Joe, you remember how many it was in the House? 
It's like 62 or something like that. 63, yeah. Yeah. And, and seven in the Senate, which didn't flip the Senate, but it was still seismic. But that's how yeah. big that's how big the majority was. That's what I'm saying. So now you're talking about, gee, yeah, that's what I think. I, why I agree with her, with Amy, but I don't, is, hey, you know, we, we could lose two votes for Obamacare in the Senate, and it wouldn't have been a problem, right? right? But uh, now if we lose them, it, it means 2022 is going to be exactly what she says. Um, and if the if if we pass it, then then I think it's the it's 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 the Republicans that 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 will still be making that case that she's talking about, and still could be given the slim majorities we have, could end up uh, and you know and right now you'd have to say most likely would end up yeah. with us losing the majorities, and that's why. <laughs> I keep preaching, get into the, get into the pro-democracy coalition, join one of the, the groups that are fighting out there. The, the, Virginia is coming up. I know we're going to talk about that next, but we, we, it's uh, us. We are the ones that are going to have to stand up, get out the vote and make sure that regardless of what happens on these bills, that there's a, a huge turnout pro-democracy in the next, in these coming elections and not, succumb to the, you know, to the, the attacks that are definitely in, in the obstruction and the authoritarian movement that's out there. Joe, I know there's a lot to talk about with Manchin, but we really can't leave out Virginia today. It's right around the corner. Election days in less than two weeks. Um, you and I have kind of been in the trenches the last couple of weeks. We know what the, the fight the Democrats have to hold this thing. Um, Lincoln Project's in there working right right now, along with a bunch of other groups. Uh, Joe, are we actually going to blow this state? Biden won it by 10. Well, you got to, I think it's better to uh, think that that could happen and do everything you can to prevent it. Uh, you know, the new uh, Monmouth poll has, you know, dead heat, 46-46, only 7% uh, undecided. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, uh, you know, has dropped five points uh, in that poll since they last took one in September. Uh, you know, and, and you can't, uh, whether you buy that poll or not, um, you know, it's clear that poll after poll, the trend has been um, that the that Terry McAuliffe and Democrats are, you know, you know, are slipping, and that the GOP and Yunkin is growing. Particularly, uh, Yunkin, you know, in that poll was up with independents uh, by, you know, eight nine points, and, and McAuliffe is is now only up uh, four with women. So, which uh, I kind of read that and was like, that is the craziest stat from a poll I've heard in a while. Yeah, yeah. Even- and you know, it's right. And then, but you also have the fact that Republicans in these polls are showing, you know, that they're more energized, enthusiastic. I think a lot of people on, uh, you know, on the Democratic side are not, uh, you know, haven't woken up to how, how this race is tightened. I mean, you know, so, you, you know, if you've been thinking that this is going to be a, a walk, you know, just a runaway Terry McAuliffe victory and you're not that, uh, you know, not that, that tuned in. This thing is getting close and people, we, you know, that's why I think Lincoln Project, everybody is in there trying to, you know, increase turnout, um, you know, get get different messages out there and make clear that Yunkin is, you know, is trying to have it both ways, playing that he's, uh, you know, Trump wannabe um, in red areas of the state uh, and then basically running away from Trump with everything he's got uh, yeah, in northern Virginia everywhere and everywhere else. Yeah. His strategy is really interesting. I mean, he's essentially hitting all these. You look at I mean, you look at the where, where he's been moving independents and women and parents. I mean, he's talking about it. He's saying the right things to these independents. I mean, we don't 
believe them, but talking about uh, increasing an education budget. Uh, but at the same time, then in Southern Virginia, he's encouraging people to throw fits at school board meetings. So yeah. it, it's that kind of two-faced situation he's got. But he's it's working for him right now. Well, I mean, he's fighting. He, he is he is, and I think that probably has some uh, a lot to do with his the, the movement he's had with women. You know, he's put this sort of two faced positioning on education front and center uh, again. Uh, you know, in in Northern Virginia, talking about increasing funding in, in, in the red parts. You know, get get mad, get angry, go to your school board meetings, let's fight. So. Uh, but I, th- I think that makes sense for why uh, he would be starting to, to, to grow there. The interesting thing's going to be, you know, that Trump told his voters to stay home uh, if candidates don't embrace the big lie. Uh, and you know, so far, Yunkin has been pretty quiet about that. And so, you know, t- it'll be interesting to see uh, as he's called out to, you know, to stand with Trump. Or uh, on the big lie, you know, or, or declare that uh, that Joe Biden was pre- is president and, and uh, was duly certified, and you know all the all the stuff that you have to say to make it clear he wasn't uh, uh, a Trump wannabe on that one. What's Trump going to do? I mean, I, you know, what are and more importantly, regardless of what Trump says, having told his supporters stay home if candidates don't embrace the big lie. Uh, as, vo- as those Trump voters are informed that Yunkin has not embraced it, right? Or, you know, or vice versa. Uh, I mean, he, that, this is what he can't get by. Either Northern Virginia knows uh, that he's embraced the Trump lie. Uh, you know, you know. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. Do some Trump voters um, stay home? Um, you know, as we get closer to this election. Well, and, and historically, they have, for what it's worth. I mean, you saw a big drop off in, in, in specials. You saw a big drop off in, in 2018. And obviously, it came out the woodwork in 2020. It, it, there is something that Trump has always had, I think, that's just been it's him. No, that's not. Yeah, that's why we, we, you know, we won in Alabama in 2017. Trump wasn't on the ballot. We were able to increase a lot more Democratic turnout in Alabama than in, than any other point in its history. I think even b- bigger turnout than a- it's worth noting that in 2020 we increased Democratic turnout. I mean, it was we had massive right, right. numbers of Democrats turnout. But he wasn't on the ballot in 2017. He wasn't on the ballot in 2018 either. Right. When we won all those the midterms, when we won all those seats, so uh, you know they gave uh, uh, Democrats a majority in the House, and then uh, uh, in 20. Uh, Trump was on the ballot, and yes, we turned out uh, a lot, a, a lot of Democrats, uh, but he turned out a lot more rural Republicans. So because he was on the ballot, so I think your points well taken. I mean, two things: one, he's telling people don't vote um, unless they embrace the big lie, and and, and two, when he's not on the ballot, they, those voters tend not to vote anyway. So uh, or at least in the past have shown that uh, in, in years that he wasn't on the ballot. That's different from, like you said, 2016, 2020, when he was on the ballot, people come uh, particularly those his voors really uh, yeah. show. And I don't know that they will. And that, well, you know, but, mean, but when you're down to hoping that the Republicans who are supposed who are in these polls say they're more enthusiastic, don't show up because Trump told them 
uh, to, you know, if they don't embrace the lie, don't do it. That's what you, if that's what you're banking on. No, that's why I think you know if you people if you can make a phone make phone calls like Simon was talking about on the last podcast. You know, there we've got the we've got tools now. Uh, distributed um, tools that, that distribute to let you, you know, phone bank uh, from where you are, uh, contact voters from where you are, and help in Virginia do it. Uh, we've got to do everything we can. We're in there uh, with ads, Lincoln Project, making clear who Yunkin really is on this Trump stuff, and uh, you know, there. But and there are a whole lot of other groups in there. But we've got to win this one, and I don't think we can count on Republicans. I, I find it, you know, an interesting thing to to watch uh, about what his voters do, but we can't count on it. Well, I don't necessarily. I mean, people don't. Back to your turnout point. I mean, Biden won by seven million votes, but Trump's seventy-four million was still, yeah. I think, the by a long shot, the second most votes anyone's ever gotten in a presidential election. So his, his turnout is there. It's just a question of do they come out in a couple of weeks? And by the way, he told them not to. So, yeah, I think that's not. I mean, what happened in in twenty twenty were Democrats. We believed we were going to have the biggest turnout in in you know history, and we did. What stunned everybody, I think, was you know that would be you know if Republicans did. What they normally do for turnout, it would be it would be a crushing wallop. I mean, we're not talking about you know forty four thousand votes in three states. It would have been you know a massive, uh, not only popular vote win, but that kind of differential would have been a a big electoral college win as well. The reason it didn't happen was because millions more. Republican, million more voters, millions more also came out for Trump. And the margin wasn't anywhere near uh, what we thought it was. And in three or four states was almost, you know, barely 44,000 votes, you know, more. uh, And and even that wouldn't have been enough. So does he turn out those rural voters? That's what I'm saying. Do they turn out? Uh, like they did in 2020, or is it more 2018, 2017? You know, Virginia might be closer to, it looks like the 2018 kind of turnout there. So we'll see. But it's going to be, I think it's going to be high on both sides. That's why I don't think we can count on on him, you know, his call to to walk away from the vote. Uh, it may help, you know, it helped in, in Georgia when he raised that kind of stuff. But right. uh, we'll see. Well, let's get into the the latest on the Trump effect for a little bit. We're almost out of time, but I can't let let you go, Joe, without talking just briefly about the latest kind of Trump-McConnell fight. Um, McConnell went on CNN this week and and said, essentially, we need to be thinking about the future and not the past. And uh, he he said over and over again that uh, it'd be a disaster for Republicans to base the midterms in 2024 off the big lie. What do you make the latest from from McConnell on this stuff? I think he's trying to, to nudge Trump to start talking about the future and stop talking about the big lie. That, <laughs> yeah. That's worked you know? before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I think McConnell's reading the tea leaves for 2024. Uh, I, I, he, he, it's clear to him now that Trump isn't going anywhere, that he's likely to be the nominee at this point. And so 
he's he's got to try to fight the the big lie strategy because I think Mitch McConnell believes the big lie strategy is is you know is going to be a disaster for them in 2022 if that, if 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 Trump is out there day in and day out and and again calling on people to not vote um, for Republicans who don't embrace his big lie strategy, you know, the, the, I, I think McConnell totally gets all of that uh, and is trying to say, hey, let's talk about the future. Um, and, you know, and so when Trump goes out and says, stay home unless we relitigate 2020, then then McConnell has to do something right. He's got to go out there and try to turn that that battleground to be about the future and not about relitigating 2020. I think that's what what he's trying to do, except you know, he's Trump's called McConnell the most overrated man in politics last month. I mean, this is the the kind of, of I, I think, fight within the party that we're going to continue to see because I don't think McConnell, who's, who's ever had an impact on changing, you know, getting Trump to move uh, on anything on like anything. this, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, on anything like uh, particularly like this, because he can't have lost. It's it's it, he 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 cannot ever accept that. And so he's never going to to stop trying to relitigate in 2020. And in fact, running and winning in 2024 is his plan to prove it, right? And uh, right. So- well, I'm wondering, does this push him at all towards jumping in officially more now? All all this stuff in the last couple of weeks, because generally when you try to push Trump publicly in one way, he usually says, "Screw you, I'm going the other way." Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, I think Trump is going to get in when he wants to get in. Uh, and I think that, I mean, look, I think he may wait to see what, you know, what does happen in Virginia. You, you, you know, if Yunkin does win, I, I don't know how many days would it be till, till Trump's one declares it was because of him. And then two says I'm going, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot more at stake in, in some of these fights that are going on. Um, I think the same thing about 2022, if, if the Democrats hold the house, I don't think Trump runs. Why? Because he knows that the House would certify the winner. (laughs) If if the Republicans gain the House, he knows they'll certify the loser, him, and make him the winner. He cannot lose if they have a Republican House with the governors that they have that'll declare, you know, a certified slate for him versus the one uh, you know, so, so you'll have dueling slates and he knows this, which slates the Republican Senate will see. So I think, you know, Virginia coming up soon. And then, of course, uh, even if Terry does win, I think 2022 to and I think Terry will. Uh, I think it's going to be damn close, but I, I think Terry's going to win. But assuming he wins, then I think the you know the the it, it doesn't take the pressure off 2022. All these if there's weakness on the Democratic side uh, at all, I think Trump it's going to embolden Trump. Joe, I think that is a pretty good place to end. I think that's about all the time we've got today. 
Great, Alex. Uh, thanks for listening to That Trippy Show. We'll be back next week. Don't forget, please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. And please do share this with a friend. Uh, we got to wake a lot of people up out there. Uh, and, and not just wake them up, but get them engaged, actually get them people making calls in Virginia, helping any way they can, contributing to the, these groups that are, are, are fighting so hard there. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next time.